Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I'm here, as always, with Father Stephen Gauthier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Great to be back, Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is Director of Formation at St. Paul's House of Formation in the Greenhouse Movement. Father Stevens, this episode, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about baptism um, and share a little bit of my own experience being baptized in another tradition, in the Baptist tradition, um, and then coming into the Anglican tradition and learning about all of the the different kind of theology of baptism that we have. Uh, When you do that, you can actually get a little worried that, well, what if the baptism that I had in this other non-sacramental tradition didn't take or didn't work or wasn't done right or something like that. Um, But just to, first of all, to share from my own experience, um, when I came into the Anglican tradition from the Baptist tradition, I was not rebaptized. It was actually kind of surprising to to people, but uh, I was not rebaptized. Um, and that is because of the church's teaching that we're only baptized once, correct? Yes, that's correct. So, um, so, but what I what I what I'd love to talk about though is if is just about that uncertainty um, that someone might have as to whether one has been baptized in the proper way. So let's go over what a pro- what a what a valid baptism actually is. And then what to do about it if um, one is not actually sure if one has been baptized properly or not. And that's going to be something called conditional baptism. Um, but first of all, let's let's talk about what what justifies a conditional baptism. Um, like how do how uh, how do we separate uh, a valid baptism from an invalid from an invalid baptism? Okay, well, first of all, the word valid simply means it works. And something is in, like I say, a valid or an invalid driver's license. You know, valid means it is operational. I mean, invalid means it doesn't work. So valid or invalid simply means does it or does it not work. And to be valid, it means we have to have all the essential elements of a baptism have to be present. If that's not true, it would be ineffective or invalid. Meaning you'd never been baptized. It means you... You would have you need you wouldn't be a rebaptism. It means you'd never actually been baptized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so of so all the essential elements present. We'll we'll go over that again in in just a second. Um, but it, is there a way to have all the essential elements present, but it you know like not be in a church or something like that? Because that certainly happens. I've, I've heard with people who are baptized not by a pastor, not by a priest or some somewhere else kind of informally. Uh, is, is that an, is that a, an invalid baptism automatically? Uh, not at all. Uh, we make a big distinction between does it work versus is it the way it ought to be done? Uh, that's a big difference. We use it, might've used an example here, for example, with a, um, with, uh, weddings is we know ideally in a family what you'd expect people to do is you expect to be invited to your own child's wedding. I mean, that's a pretty reasonable expectation. You've invited your own children's wedding. So let's suppose you have a child and on an impulse they decide to go off and you've been dating a while. Let's do it now. Let's run off and, you know, know, uh, go and get married tonight. Elope. 
Now, yeah. from a legal, let's talk from a legal, not a spiritual point, from a legal point of view, even though ideally you would say, well, gee, like a driver's license is a legal issue. From a legal point of view, if, if they go to the Justice of the Peace in Las Vegas or something, the fact is they're legally married. So we would say mm-hmm. it's not what we would have hoped, but it still works. It's still a marriage. And so it can be, for example, that certain things are not ideal with a, with a baptism, but they're not essential. And so you shouldn't have done it that way. You know, your parents are going to be hurt. You weren't there, but it still, it works. So here's a classic case. Sure. Like you said, is baptism is that part of baptism is we become part of the body of Christ. It's a, it's a community celebration. It's something we do together. So something saying, yeah. I just want to make this personal between me and my son without any witnesses and things is missing part of the public declaration element of baptism as well. So, you know, it should be a public declaration. It should be in the community of believers. That's ideally what it should be. But if somebody still decides to do their own thing and, and do it, it would still work. It'd still be a baptism if it's done properly. So we call that illicit in canon law, which means it's according to the church's rules, individuals are not allowed to do that. You can't just go out and baptize on your own because the church wants to make sure things are done right and can be witnessed to them. Baptism should be a public declaration, <laughs> things like uh-huh. that. But it would work. The fact is, if, you're, if your father did your baptism correctly, you, we wouldn't rebaptize you. You're baptized. So there's a difference between does it work or does it not work? Or another interesting thing I found once as a priest, I had to go to another state to uh, somebody wanted to be be married there. And so I checked with our our chancellor, which is the lawyer for a diocese, and I said, I want to make sure because different states have rules as to who can marry people. And so I'm going to another state where I haven't married anyone before. What are the rules in that state? And he gave, well, here's the requirements in that particular state. But he said, you don't have to worry about this. He said, because the rule in the state also says, no matter what happens to the person conducting the ceremony, if in good faith, you know, the people get married and think you have the power to to marry, it's a marriage. (laughs) I mean, I could be punished, you know, I could be, it would be an infraction. I could be fined for doing it, you know, doing it without having the proper authorization. But it wouldn't stop in that state. That would not stop you from being married. It still works. It still works. It was not like yeah. 10, 10 years later you could find it. I guess we were not married because you know, we didn't know that the guy wasn't authorized. So the I difference, see. does I it see. work or doesn't it work? Okay. Okay, so the, the, in, in, the, and in, the, in the case of baptism, right, um, a, 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 pa- a priest or a pastor doesn't, isn't strictly required to have a valid baptism, right? So it could, in an illicit way, you could, in an illicit baptism, you could have someone who's not your your pastor or priest, or maybe in an emergency perform. Oh, in emergency, anyone can, a non-Christian can perform a valid sure. baptism. What they have to do is intend to perform a baptism and do it right, which is very simple. You know, we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the intent. What we don't have to worry about is some people are worried about the worthiness of the person. Well, no one would ever know they were baptized then. You know, what if it turns out this person was a fraud? You know, say like sometimes we find people yeah, like yeah, ministers yeah. of the gospel who later on we find are, are not really living the life at all. You know, mm-hmm. that's something they were they were they were hypocrites. Well, that doesn't change the fact they they baptize. You know, they if they you know that it's not their worthiness. Uh, in traditional theology, we say Christ performs all the sacraments. So so it's it's more about about. Um, intending to have an actual baptism and having the essential elements present so let's talk about those essential elements again what's the what are the requirements for having a valid baptism well paul put it beautifully when he talks in ephesians he says speaking of the church he said he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so we have two things washing with water and word 
And the water is, baptism must have water. There cannot be baptism without water. I mean, as far mm-hmm. as the, the regular sacrament of baptism. And so I, immersion is ideal. Because again, the image is, we talked about the image is burial. It's the perfect image, etc. So we should have immersion if it's possible. However, it's not essential. From the earliest times, we said in the Didache, for example, it specifically says, well, try to, but if you can't find enough water to immerse, you can just pour it over their head, you know, etc. So there has to be water. But how much water doesn't affect validity. Ideally, more is better. But it's not required if you don't have to. I once knew uh, a very close friend of mine uh, who was in uh, in an Anabaptist tradition and in their case, uh, his case, he th- worried that in his baptism, one of his fingers might have stuck out of the water. And I'm not mocking him. I know he's trying to honor God, but he was really worried that maybe he wasn't baptized because their tradition was very strict. He had to be immersion and say it doesn't work sure. like that. You, you try the best you can, but the essential thing is there has to be water. More is better. Okay. So then the word, and this is where things do get a little tricky across traditions. Um so water and the word, but what are the words exactly? Or what is the word that is said over the baptism? Well, we have it from the very mouth of Jesus. Jesus says in the Great Commission, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, rightfully so, some people have said, well, they are confused. They say, well, in Acts of the Apostles, we talk about being baptized in the name of Jesus. However, in the name is confusing because, you know, it, means, it can mean under the authority as well, rather than the actual words. And mm-hmm. so which way is it? And happily, what we know is that in all the early Christian literature, we often have things like the Didache, what the ol- oldest Christian writing outside of the New Testament. But we have it like Justin Martyr. Every time somebody gives you direction, how do you perform a baptism? They always give us the Trinitarian formula. That is how the church mm-hmm. has always understood mm-hmm. it. So they understood the Acts of the Apostles, where they keep talking about this is it shorthand. It means to compare it to the baptism of John. It's not the baptism of John, it's the baptism of Jesus. I see. So yeah, It's a shorthand. Different turn of phrase. Whereas here, Jesus is actually giving, the church has always understood this. I mean, always has understood this as being, yeah. this is the actual formula. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the Didache, right, was like a really early church manual. Yeah. So, How to do church. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so a very, very early how-to saying Father, Son, and Holy Spirit should should confirm that. And we, I think we did an episode on Didache, but I could tell you again for those who didn't hear that episode, mm-hmm. that at the latest it'd be 125, at very, very latest. Probably it's much earlier because it appears to be, see in the ancient world they didn't have copyrights. So what they did is they often took existing material and just put it together. Right. And it really appears when you read the Didache that this is sewn together with earlier pieces of work. You know, because it was meant to be a church right. manual. Here's what you need to do church. Here's how you prepare people for baptism. Yeah. Here's how you do baptism. Here's how you do Eucharist. Here's some yeah. church discipline stuff you have to know. It's almost like a manual, you know, how do I do church? And so, uh, you know, at a minimum, we're talking about the early second century, but it's probably much old. You know, I would think it's a pretty good bet that we're talking easily in the first century. Yeah. yeah. So Matthew 28, 19 plus the earliest church sources we have confirming Matthew 28, 19 is the crop proper formula is, yeah. is, 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 is probably good enough. Yeah. So that makes no, sense. No, no, that's the essential formula. Without that formula, somebody baptized right, yeah, in the name yeah. of Jesus, it wouldn't be a valid baptism. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But it's, 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 it's enough. It's about enough to confirm that we've, we heard that one right from, from Jesus. Yeah. The very fact that how do the people who knew him best, the churches of the apostles and things, how did they understand it? And universally, every time we mention baptism in all traditions, East, West, Syriac, every tradition, it's always in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about what if someone has a doubt about their baptism. I, I know, in, at least in other in, in other traditions that do do baptisms as infants, you know, you're not going to have any memory of the actual baptism. Um, but also in my case, for instance, uh, you know, I was young. I was about seven years old. So I don't remember precisely all the, you know, everything that was said photographically at all. Um, and, you know, on the so I actually kind of got interested and I, I went back and looked, well, how was I baptized? And, uh, you know, on the website of the church that I was baptized in, they said that it, they don't believe it's actually strictly necessary to baptize in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, but but that they commonly do anyway. So it was seemed I, I actually you know, I actually went back and asked my grandmother actually about the pap- the, the pastor who baptized me there, who's now since dead, you know, how did he tend to baptize? And she said, oh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that that seemed good enough for me. Um, but let's say someone has a, a much more, um, uh, maybe a, a more, uh, a more substantive doubt that, um, that the baptism happened uh, invalidly. Um, what is that person? What what should that person do? First of all, we 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 have a do we attempt to resolve the problem by simply going doing our homework. For most people, like actually, infant baptisms tend to be easy because infant baptisms are performed by pretty traditional churches, and as such, sure, they yeah. normally have a special, very strict church positions and ceremonies that they use, and so we know precisely how it's done, and they have records of the bat. We don't have to. Sometimes people say, "I'm not sure I was baptized at all." I've had that as a priest. We just don't remember. You know, you know someone who's older is saying, no one really remembers whether I was or wasn't. It wasn't that important, but I, I think I was, but I'm not sure. But uh, mm-hmm. churches like that always keep records. For example, in an Anglican church, there is a requirement in canon law that every church has to keep a register of everyone who's ever been baptized there with the details. When did it take yeah. place? Yeah. Uh, who was the priest who performed it, etc. And we have, so it, normally that's easy to go down. It's more in the Baptist traditions we can have this. But even then, most of, most of those traditions are, uh, have taken pretty solid positions on what the formula is. It's typically people who deny the Trinity who are modalists who go with the baptism. They certain charismatic groups believe in modalism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they are actually rejecting the Trinity. You know, and that's why they don't want to use the name in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because they do not want that to be mistaken. Okay. They want to make yeah, a point yeah, they, that they're modalists. Yeah. But if you don't know whether it's... If we, we can't be sure... how do, People think I was baptized, but they honestly don't remember. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. That's what we have that we call a, um, that's a conditional baptism. But sure. normally the thing sure. is, if we think we know, like your grandmother's saying, that's good enough. It's like weddings. You know, one of the things we say as a priest is, if anyone knows some reason this person can't be married, speak now or forever hold your peace. So the yeah, now we do not done. keep dragging this up. So our basic point is we presume the best normal. Unless there is serious doubt, we don't look for trouble. Unless there is sure. serious doubt, uh, because we there's a scandal of being rebaptized. We don't want sometimes people want to start again. The idea of well, I want to start all over again, and that's not what mm-hmm. baptism is about. We can renew our baptismal vows, but we are not rebaptized. 
Yeah, you know, there was a famous Christian, uh, there's a Christian musician who went to Israel and it was very publicized, but he he got baptized again in the Jordan River because he wanted the experience of being baptized in the Jordan River. Um, and it caused a bit of, it caused a bit of consternation. Um, but, but yeah, it would, it would be because of this scandal that we don't, that you don't actually get rebaptized really for any reason. Well, we said the theology is very important. One of the comforts of the sacramental worldview is that, you know, one of the problems we have, those who are proudly evangelical is people in almost every church, we talk about coming with the sinner's prayer, etc., and giving your heart to Jesus. Mm. I've known thousands, literally, I'm an old man in my lifetime of people who've done that, but I've known hardly anybody who's done it once. Is yeah, the fact yeah, is right. that, you know, <laughs> because it's a matter of my sin. And so we don't want to, part of the thing is, it's not a matter of our feelings, of facts. And so we don't, we mm. want to, the, the sureness of when you're baptized, that's not the issue. It's like marriage. You know if you've had a marriage ceremony, you are married yeah. now. Sometimes you don't always live up to your marriage and you renew that, but you don't get remarried. It's not like you're not married. Uh-huh. It, uh-huh. It, it is a fact. And so we want to emphasize the fact that what God has done is a fact. And that's one of the comforts yeah. of it. It's not, it's not a matter of how I feel on a given day. It's, it's a fact of what God has done. Yeah, yeah. It is a real comfort. And actually, I think the, the sort of repeat sinner's prayer that you know i was i was a frequent sinner's prayer uh myself when i was young um that actually that i feel like that's kind of a a yearning for for the conf- for confession and eucharist mm-hmm. um that there that kind of that frequency of um confession and laying your life before god and then receiving from him is actually answered in the eucharist um but let's but about the conditional baptism then if if it is determined um, that there's enough of a reasonable doubt that a, a baptism, someone's baptism maybe either didn't happen or was invalidly performed, maybe, then um, how does is a conditional baptism performed? What does it look like? It looks like? exactly like any other baptism, except that when we actually have the, the, the portion that has the, 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 pronounce, the pronouncement, I baptize you, we say, if you are not already baptized... I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's the conditional part. Okay. If you are not already baptized, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So you just add that. You just in add there. that in there, and <laughs> that's good. Yeah, but but like you like you said before, though these are very you you know hazard to say these are probably pretty seldom performed, or you don't want to just like go forward for a conditional baptism out of just the slightest, you know, tiny bit of doubt. Oh, no, that's discouraged. Um, Yeah. Actually, what we often Mm -hmm. do, too, is it depends on your bishop and things. But often this is one of the times since we presume you you, there's a very good chance you were baptized that we might just do this in a more private setting than in front of the whole church. It might be done with, you know, the family and things. So, again, so as not to bring confusion to the congregation, what's going on. Otherwise, you almost feel compelled to say something, the whole con- here's what happened. We're not sure if this person, you know, some doubt. So today we're going to hear it a little different. But to avoid that, mm-hmm. sometimes I have known uh, several conditional baptisms. We're always done with witnesses and things, but we're done apart. Of course, we're in a big church. I mean, like at the cathedral, you know, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of people, as opposed to mm-hmm. saying we'll have just a more limited group. We have like a smaller service. Sure. But this is the con- conditional baptisms shouldn't be. Uh, 
overly perform to us assuage anxiety yeah. is 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 kind of what you're saying um no there should be serious there doubt. actually has there should to be, be serious sure. doubt, not just a casual thing serious doubt so yeah. in your case the fact that your grandma said yeah that's what he did that's good enough Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i can't you know on the off chance that she's wrong i should probably be conditionally baptized that's not no, what it's no. for um yeah well i i love that actually because it's it's one of the favorite one of my favorite things about our tradition is that the that you know the the baptisms even those that happen in other traditions or even non-sacramental traditions as long as they're validly done are perfectly accepted as of course as as, as true christian baptisms um, it's, 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 yeah, it's one of my, my favorite things about it is we, we get to say a real yes to, to, um, people's spiritual lives that begin. Hey, yes, exactly. Tradition. These are other Christians, part of the body of Christ. And we, how far be it from us to challenge, you know, the beautiful thing they're doing in baptism. Your baptism was, mm-hmm. was a Christian uh, baptism. Of course. Well, anything else you have for us on conditional baptism, Father Stephen? Uh, no, I think it's, uh, it's just the thing to remember is that as you put it beautifully, is we don't have, sometimes what people are really looking for is they want to have, I would like to do something to restart. And the thing, that's mm-hmm. what communion does. In a sense, every communion is a, is a reaffirmation of our baptism. Yeah. So we yeah. do that every Sunday. Every communion is the reaffirmation of our baptism. And if we really wandered far from the Lord, the right way is we have a special ceremony, often in conjunction with baptisms, for a renewal of baptismal vows for those who have seriously wandered away from the Lord. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there is also sort of that little renewal in every baptismal service with the aspergis, right? Mm-hmm. Where the uh, the priest goes around and sprinkles the baptismal water on the congregation. Yeah, it's reminding. Of, so we're all a, we're all about remembering and recalling and reaffirming our baptisms. It's reminding us all of us as they're they're joining where we are because it comes from Moses uh, sprinkling the blood, you know, with the hyssop over the congregations, and you're sealed in the covenant. That all of us are sealed in the covenant with God through our baptism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Well, thanks, Father Stephen. That's all the time we have left for this episode. And thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back again next week for more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening. <laughs>